I'm Julianne Delyn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Good evening, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. How are things going? Things are going great, thanks. I get questions all the time about Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Where can people find your book? It is available uh, several places. You can find uh, it at the Fair Mormon Bookstore online. If you just go to fairmormon.org, there's a, a, a bookstore with a bunch of LDS books available there. It's also available on Amazon, and uh, it is in some Desert bookstores and certainly orderable through uh, Desert bookstores as well. So let's talk about your latest project, Bamboozled by the CES Letter. That <laughs> is a lot of fun. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was, uh, um, you know, kind of a booklet-type response, and I wanted to have a, a little bit of uh, humor in it. Um, it's on a serious topic, but uh, um, I, th I think that, you know, humor can go a little bit of hand-in-hand hand with sometimes serious topics. And it's based on the so-called CES letter, which was written by a member who is, uh, I guess, by his own admission on, on the way out and had a, a list of issues with the church, things that he struggled with, and he put these together in a, in a letter format uh, that basically kind of attacked um, LDS beliefs. And, and so my booklet, uh, Bamboozled by the CES Letter, is a response to his arguments. And it doesn't get bogged down at all, and I think that's where a little bit of levity comes in and makes it a little bit more probably of an interesting read. I mean, I, of course, thought it was fascinating, but I'm really into this kind of thing. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was my intent, is, is to make it accessible to everybody. And well worth the money. Thank you. Let's talk about the restoration. This is in your book, of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Why was there a need for a restoration? Well, we, as Latter-day Saints, believe, and we talked about this in past podcasts, that there was an apostasy. And uh, apostasy is sometimes used, especially in, uh, in some of the more ancient literature, as meaning a rebellion. And so we believe that the power to officiate in the church, to baptize, to uh, perform the sacred ordinances were lost, and, and to receive basically direction for the entire church, uh, if, as a prophet would do, that that was lost as well. And so the church that survived was in the hands many times of very good people, and, and certainly believers throughout the you know, uh, centuries uh, you had faithful people that were doing their best to follow Christ's teachings as, as were contained in the uh, scriptures, but they didn't have the authority anymore to uh, set doctrine straight as well as to baptize and confirm and so forth. And with these things gone, there was no way to bring these back. There had to be a restoration of the power, the power of the priesthood in order to perform these sacred sacred ordinances, as well as to have uh, the mantle of the prophet restored, to have that communication from God 
for the entire church. There's a difference between uh, having personal revelation and having revelation for the church itself. You quote Bible verses in pointing to the need for a restoration. Right, yeah. This was something that was talked about in the Scriptures themselves, in the New Testament. As we talked about in, in our section about the apostasy, uh, the saints, some of the leaders and, and those that wrote the Scriptures, could see that, that it was happening, that, that, that there seemed to be an apostasy already starting in their day. Not to mention Peter warning that there were false prophets among the people, and then all of Paul's letters trying to correct the church that apparently was going in the wrong direction? Exactly. Yeah, they, they saw that there was some problems brewing, and uh, you know some of the apostles didn't live, obviously, to see uh, the fruition of, of, or actually maybe, the, I guess, the fruition is the right word, but the downfall of the church, but they, they saw that there was trouble going on, and of course there was the persecutions and the apostles being hunted down, the believers being hunted down, and, and so uh, it just seemed kind of a natural course that, that the uh, church was going to fall into apostasy, and there was going to be, um, there was a need for a restoration to bring it back, and of course that took you know, almost 2,000 years to happen, but uh, in the scheme of things, that's just probably a snap of the fingers. Let's fast forward to Roger Williams. Yeah, he was America's first Baptist leader, and uh, he lost faith in the churches of his day. Uh, he, he said that, to quote, no regularly constituted church on earth, nor any person was authorized to administer any church ordinances, nor could there be until new apostles were sent by the great head of the church for whose coming he was seeking. So he recognized this, and there was others as well. I mean, he was one of the important leaders that we can quote that recognized the need for this. But there was, uh, it's, it's interesting when you read the history of the Americas, especially in Joseph Smith's day or building up to it, we, we see hints of all this coming around. Other people were having revelations. Other people were talking about the same thing, and they were recognizing a need that a restoration had to happen. So, so we could see the people becoming prepared for the message that was eventually going to be delivered to Joseph Smith. Can you further explain the difference you talk about in your book between the Restoration and the Reformation? Yeah, Reformation, and it's interesting because we don't use those words in our common language today, that they were used you know, back in the 19th century more. And so sometimes when we hear these words like restoration, we, we hear of restoring an old car, restoring furniture. So it, it, it doesn't always make sense from a religious standpoint outside of Latter-day Saints, who hear it more frequently. And, and the Reformation, more people are probably familiar with because that was basically the Protestant movement. But, but Reformation means pretty much to repair, and so the Protestant Reformation believed that they needed to repair the damages or the incorrect things that were being taught by Catholicism, by Roman Catholicism. And, uh, of course, believed that the priesthood was held by all saints and priesthood of believers. And, and you know, they didn't believe in a pope and, and, and that type of line of authority. But their goal was to fix the things that they saw were wrong, whereas a restoration is to basically like recover something that's lost. You have to recover it or to reestablish something. So uh, we believe that when something is lost, when it's gone, 
you can't fix it. You, you actually have to recover. You have to rebuild it. And in order to do that, there had to be, again, a line of priesthood authority. Christ had the authority. The apostles had the authority. Uh, some early church leaders had the authority. When they died, that authority died with them, and there was nobody with the authority to ordain others. And that's really what the apostasy was all about. So in Joseph Smith's day, uh, Joseph couldn't just say, I have the authority now, or I'm going to give it to myself. It had to come, those keys had to come from somewhere, and it had to be restored, it had to be recovered. And so that's why Joseph Smith had visitations from John the Baptist and later Peter, James, and John that restored, brought back that priesthood power. How does evidence of this restoration then fit into your book, Faith and Reason? Well, I think that that my book is designed to demonstrate that the teachings that existed in Christ's day, that were had among the early church and among the apostles, that those are restored, that they have been recovered, that Joseph Smith received revelation about these same early teachings and brought them back into the church. So uh, through time, uh, most of these teachings were lost. Like I said, a lot of teachings were preserved. I mean, we, you know, Christians believe in Christ and the Bible and, and, and so forth, and, you know, uh, forms of, of the sacrament, uh, you know, exist in, in other Christian churches as well. But th- some of the other details were lost, and those details were restored to Joseph Smith, and uh, were not really known much in the world. And now we we find evidence that they actually were part of early Christianity. So that's really part of what my book tries to establish, is that uh, the things that were once had and and were lost are now back in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne Delin Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael Arash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.